Welcome to Down with the Dig. I'm Shella. And I'm Matt. This is a podcast presented by the Ohio Laborers Union to keep you connected to your labor family. This is Down with the Dig. Before we dive into today's episode, we want to take just a moment to give a special shout out to a couple of our members. Johnny Wallace is 103 years old and is out of our Cincinnati local, Local 265. Happy birthday to Johnny. We have another member that's also 103 years old, Frank Goodson, out of our Dayton local, Local 1410, also celebrated that birthday this year. It's so great that we get to celebrate members that have hit hit the century mark. Today, we want to talk about women in construction. We know that traditionally, construction has been a male-dominated profession. Only about 6% of our membership is represented by females. And we want to talk about how we can change that. Matt, what I found was interesting when I was kind of researching this, out of that 6%, only about 1.25% are women who actually work out in the field. The other percentage of that number, they work in the office in these companies. So obviously, there's a large opportunity to expand that number of women in the workforce. To help us talk about that today, we have April Ogden joining us. Hi, April. Hi, Matt. Shella. Before we get started, I would like to say a couple things about April. I am so excited about this interview, and that's because April is not only an empowered woman herself, but she always empowers those other women around her. She's always positive, always encouraging, and I just think she is a great asset to our organization. I appreciate that, Shella. I really try my best. Uh, I know you do as well. There's a lot of women in Lyuna that are trying to help bring people along and Hopefully we continue to do so. April, why don't you tell us about your background? I've been a laborer since 1991, so 29 years. I uh, then went into the union hall. It's kind of a funny story, (laughs) but it's always a funny story, right? Always. (laughs) Uh, I had been working out in the field for quite a few years, and um, there were some issues at the hall. They needed a secretary, and I did not want to be a secretary at all. And my business manager asked me to do it. And to not only do it, but to cut my pay at the time to her pay, I didn't want to do it. But those of us who have a strong union background know that you don't tell your business manager no. Never. No. If he asks you to do something, you do it. And and so I did it. And I started out with that. And then he threw the apprenticeship program at me and said, here, implement this. And so I did. And then I ended up running for the... uh, Record or yeah, recording secretary job. I won uh, and delegate to district council. About three years later, Clint Powell, the business manager, was running for business manager, and he asked me to run on his ticket and to run for president. And I did with him, and we've been at those positions ever since. And you're the first president, female president of a labor's local union in Ohio, correct? Yes. And also the first female president of a labor's local in the United States. I believe so. I don't think there was anyone else at that time. I think a couple years after me, there was another one that came along. Um, And when I first became a delegate to district council and I walked into the room, the only female at that time was Carmen Henderson. She was with Lessett. And uh, she was very welcoming also. She's a great, great lady. Uh, And then along came Sandra Napier as the uh, secretary treasurer for Middletown. She does a great job. And then Nicole Delaginaris. I hope I said that right, Nicole, (laughs) from Ashtabula. She's another great woman in our organization. And then we have just grown from there. We have so many women today in Ohio. It's, It's great to be a part of it. 
I agree, April. We're very lucky. We have many great women in our organization, and they're all very helpful, very encouraging, and very empowering. Yes, we have all great women. They all do a good job. So, April, what type of work have you done over the years? Well, that was the one thing that I loved about being a labor in the field because every job was different. Every day was different. Uh, I started out uh, working on a highway job with their assistant foreman trainee program. I learned how to grade check and all that kind of stuff and read blueprints and all that fun stuff. And uh, I worked at uh, WTI Mason Tending. That was always a good hit. Um, I worked many years for Interfab at the power plants. Um, I worked at the Coke battery for a couple years doing rail changes, uh, blast furnace work at the mills. Um, And and just to let women know that you can do this, I remember uh, I had gotten called for a company to go to work for them uh, at the mill, and the business manager said, they do not like women, they'll probably send you back, but (laughs) but you're at the top of the list, and I was out of unemployment, so I had to go. (laughs) So I went thinking they're probably going to send me home, but I went and uh, one of our laborers, Anthony Warman, who is a really big guy from Local 809, they'll all know who I'm talking about. He's a big, big, strong guy, taught me to run a uh, 90-pound jackhammer in the furnace. (laughs) And after that, they not only kept me, but every time they had an outage, me and Anthony were the two people they called back every week. Every we were, we were like the weekend warriors. We worked like Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. <laughs> That's so. awesome, April. That, that right there shows that women can do the work. They can, and I think a lot of them don't believe that they can. They shortchange themselves. And it's just a process of learning to do it. You can do it, and our training center is great at teaching you how so that you'll feel comfortable on the job and you'll be able to do the job. That's awesome, April. You talked about the first time you stepped foot in a delegate meeting and you were the well, one of only two women there. How did you feel? Did you go in there nervous, like, what am I doing here? Did you go in there, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take these guys on and show them what I'm made of? Well, that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> No, I I did go in there thinking, you know, I I was so proud, just so proud to be there coming from a strong labor family and just, you know, we've always talked about unions at the supper table. You know, I was just so proud to even be there to represent my members. It was such an honor. It's still an honor. You mentioned your family. Do you have other family in construction? Yes. uh, My mother was actually, she actually worked in the field until she was 60 years old. She retired out of the field. She was one of the hardest working laborers I knew. Not one of the hardest working females, one of the hardest working laborers I knew. She was a very hard worker. Um, Her, my stepfather, my dad, uncles, brothers, cousins. Uh, My son is actually, there's a lot of third generational laborers, but he can actually say both his grandmother and grandfather worked in the field and his mother and father worked in the field. That's pretty unique. That is. Shella, I'm sure you can relate to that with like all the talk at the supper table about unions. and <laughs> Yes, that's true, April. No matter where we were, what we were doing, that was yes. always the talk. Yes. Always. So as far as, you know, your family life, your marriage, your children, did that ever come into play that you worked construction and that maybe you had early hours, late hours? Well, when I first started construction, I was a single mom. Uh, I was working four jobs, actually. Not four full-time jobs, but I had a full-time job and then three part-time jobs. And I was struggling. Uh, You know, it it was very difficult at the time, raising two kids on my own. I had no help from anybody at that time. Uh, 
we struggled a lot. There were times I didn't have a car, times I didn't have cable, didn't have a phone, <laughs> you know, come from a little dirt road. <laughs> the labor organization saved me and my family. Like it, it really, it really helped. It really did. It's, it's a great organization. I agree, April. It really is a great organization. And, you know, it's, it's somewhere you can turn if you are struggling and you need a better way of life and a better way to take care of your family. You know, we're there. That's, that's the type of work you do and your family's understanding and they realize how hard you're working to provide for them and take care of them. Yes. And the nice thing about construction is you would have your layoff times too. So you might work a lot of hours for months and months, but then you would have a couple months off. So it became more about quality time than quantity. You talked about becoming an apprenticeship coordinator for the local, but now you're involved at the state level, right? Yes. And how long have you been doing that? Since 2008. And how did you get involved in that? Well, uh, as I said, I had implemented the apprenticeship program at the Union Hall. And then one day we got a fax from the training center that they were hiring a regional apprenticeship coordinator. And you had to have a bachelor's degree or, or no, at least an associate's degree and 10 years experience in the field. And I thought, well, this sounds like this would be great for me. So I applied for the job and I got the job. And what kind of duties do you have there now? We do a lot of outreaches. Uh, we hire apprentices, monitor them, lead them towards graduation, um, try to be a mentor towards them. We help them with the bumps along the road, schedule their training, track their progress, that kind of stuff. And we did a whole podcast with Vince Irvin that explained a lot of that. So if you want more details about the apprenticeship program, go check out that other podcast we did with Vince Irvin. April, how do you feel COVID has affected the apprenticeship as far as training, traveling, recruitment? Uh, yes, the COVID thing has really affected us. Uh, we were in training when it hit, and they had to cancel all the classes from March on. Dennis Underwood and his staff are well prepared for this season. Uh, they've made a lot of changes at the training center. And as far as like with us and our hiring process, we already had an online application uh, it's just we can't do a lot of the interviews now in person, but we can use Zoom, we can on the phone. And, you know, I've met with some one-on-one. -on -one. We've kept our distance and our mask, of course, things like that. So you're adapting pretty well then. That's what we have to do, right? We always have to adapt and change. <laughs> you're a busy woman. Why don't you tell us about some of the other places where you serve? Uh, yes, I also uh, serve on my local school board. I'm actually on my second term with that. And that probably wouldn't have happened either without the help of my labor family. So I'm grateful for them helping me to get there as well. COVID has also impacted how the local union is run. How has that impacted you as president of the local? Uh, well, a lot of our meetings in the beginning had to be canceled. Uh, we would have the e-board meetings over the phone. We would do phone conferences. Um, and now we're just now easing back into our meetings and we have to social distance now when they come in and that kind of stuff. April, going back to recruiting, what words of advice do you have for female laborers that are just coming into the union? I guess I would tell them that, you know, as I said earlier, they can do this. You know, a, a lot of women get in their head. They think, you know, they might not be as physical as, as some of the men, but there's a lot of jobs that you don't have to be 100% physically fit to do that you can do that mean a lot that aren't so physically demanding that you can do this well you've made the construction industry work for you what are some of the misconceptions about women in construction 
Um, just that women think that they can't do it. And, uh, you know, with today's technologies and everything we have out there, uh, they can do this job and they can do it quite well. Uh, they can outwork guys without a problem. I mean, you just have to have a good work ethic and show up every day and do your job and you can do this. As they say, work smarter, not harder. That's right. And you hear that all the time in the field. <laughs> and it's true. <laughs> April, what are some of the things that you're working on or that you feel we should be working on to improve the culture of women in the industry? Well, I think one of the things uh, that I had talked about earlier is the training. You know, women are finding out when they go to training, they can do this. They're getting trained to do these jobs. They feel more comfortable doing these jobs. Uh, you know, 20 years ago, we didn't have the apprenticeship program. And you were just kind of thrown into this just like everybody else. I mean, it was tough for everybody, whether you're male or female, being thrown into something, not knowing what you were doing. But now you're getting trained, you're prepared. If you prepare and you train, you can do this. It feels as though men in the industry now have more respect for women, that they see you out there working with them, you're, you've got their back, you're working right alongside them. Do you feel like that culture change has been a recent culture change or did you notice that change when you were in the field? You know, I, I honestly can say that I've always been around 98% people who are respectful in the field. Um, I think a lot of it is, you know, women worry about that kind of stuff in the field. Uh, uh, there's a lot of good guys out there that w will become family to you, you know, and people have a misconception too. They think construction workers, they think, you know, <laughs> trash mouth, they think, you know, and, and that's not always the case. Uh, there's a lot of good people out there and they'll take you under their wing. They'll help you. They'll teach you. You know, as long as you have respect for yourself, they're going to respect you. Like I said, 98, 99% of the time, you always might have a little small window, but that's every job everywhere. You know, you've been in the industry for a long time, but I have a feeling you're not done yet. What are your goals for the future? The biggest goal that I have, and it is a goal that our general president teaches to everyone, preaches to everyone, I should say, uh, and I know this will hit home with all of you because I know we've all heard it, is to leave the organization better when we leave than when we came in. Um, and I think we all strive to do that every day. And I think everyone in Ohio is doing a great job at that. Uh, people don't realize we have uh, two international vice presidents in Ohio. That's huge. You know, and we probably have one of the bigger workforces in Ohio with women. You know, there's so much opportunity today for women in our organization all over the country and even in Canada. Uh, we have grown so much when it comes to women. They're just, it's a great time to be in our organization today. There's just so much opportunity and not just with Liona, but with all the different companies that are signatory to us. There's tons and tons of job for women and opportunities today. I'm also working on a uh, substance abuse class to bring awareness and uh, resources to those dealing with addictions, whether it be them or a family member. Uh, I would like to leave that behind when I retire. Uh, I've been working on that with Liona Training. They've been a big supporter in that. I've seen the work you've done on that project, April, and I think that's something that's really going to help a lot of people. I hope so. People don't understand, you know, the issues that are going on today with the opioid epidemic, and we have a lot of work to do. The whole country has a lot of work to do. That's true. That's something that touches a lot of people. Yes. 
If you had one thing you could say to the women out there that may be listening and thinking about getting in the industry, what would that be? You know, the union has become my family. It's not just a job and a career. It's actually a family. We all become a family. And when I walk onto a job, I'm not looked at as a woman anymore. I'm a labor. Uh, I had went to college and thought I was going to move on from this organization years ago. And actually, I ended up making more money by staying here. And I think that's a big misconception people have, too, that you have to go to college and but I went to college and I stayed here and it and it's worked out for me. You know, I've been at the right place at the right time and things have come along and I now have a family, a huge family all across the United States and Canada. Yes, April. And this is one occupation that, you know, you have good benefits, you have good insurance and it's a great family organization and a great organization to be a part of. I say that all the time too, Shella. And, you know, like I was talking about earlier, in the beginning, you know, I did give a little bit of sacrifice when I went into the hall to work. It was not something that I really wanted to do, but it was for the greater good of my union. It was a cut in pay. Uh, but, you know, everything works out for a reason. And in the long run, it gave me the opportunity to grow and become who I am today. I would never have been the president today if I wouldn't have made those small sacrifices in the beginning for my union. So how do you feel about the construction industry right now? Where where do we stand as far as getting involved or getting a job in construction? Is it is it valuable going forward? Oh, most definitely. This is probably the best time ever. Uh, I can remember when I first joined, you were lucky to get unemployment. Now people are getting over 2,000 hours a year. They are working crazy hours if they want to. Uh, the economy has grown. The infrastructure is growing. The uh, market share is up right now. There's so much opportunity for everywhere, for everyone everywhere. And we know that infrastructure is in a state of disrepair, really, throughout this nation. And right now is when we need to invest in those kinds of resources to help grow the economy as a whole, to be able to move goods and provide services across state lines and across the nation. So if one of our listeners wanted to get involved in the laborers union or they know someone that wants to get involved, how would they go about doing that? Uh, We actually have online applications right now. They can go to www.oltapp.com and uh, they can upload their driver's license and their diploma and fill out the application and that's how they can start the process. And we'll make sure we put that link in the notes to the show. So April, what is the biggest highlight of your career? Uh, Well, one of the biggest highlights was when I was elected president, obviously, and it was because, you know, even my own mother, who had worked in the field, had said to me, you know, April, that's pretty tough to do. This is still a male organization to get elected as a president. And I just kept the belief in the fact that people remember your work ethic and how you treat them. And I kept telling my mom, it's going to be okay because people will remember how I treated them. And it did all work out. So, yeah, even my own mother, you know, had some doubts about me becoming the president because she said, you know, April, this is still a man's world. And, you know, she knew quite well from working in the field. She was kind of nervous about it. And I had told her, I said, you know, Mom, when you have a good work ethic and you treat people right, the right thing comes back. And at the end of the day, I have to remember, you know, I'm still a laborer. I'm part of a labor family. And I'm not looked at as just a woman. I'm looked at as a strong laborer who has a good work ethic that treats people right. And people will remember that. You know, I tell my grandkids all the time, 
You know, no one is ever going to hand you anything. And that's true with everything. Uh, you know, if you want a position as a part of a team or whatever you want, if it's a job, whatever you want in life, anything is attainable. We all have the same resources to attain that. But you have to put your work in. As long as you put your work in and you do the right thing and you have a good work ethic, you can do anything. You know, things were really different when my mother and her generation of women had started all those years ago. Um, and if you had told me 29 years ago that I would be where I am today, I would have said, there's no way that's not going to happen. But, you know, the prior generations before me uh, that each gave a little and helped our organization move forward and improve things. You know, it's because of them that we're where we're at today. And I'd like to thank all those that came before me and set the path for all women. You know, culture change doesn't happen in the blink of an eye. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes resources. And it takes the people willing to take a, a leap of faith and really affect change. April, thanks so much for joining us today and sharing with us your story. Thank you, April, for being with us today and for all the great work you're doing in our organization. Thank both of you, Matt and Shella. So if you find yourself struggling like April and you want a better way of life for you and your family, go to the website, fill out that application, give the laborers a try. And we want to hear from you. If you have anything you want to tell us, any suggestions for shows, or anything you want us to announce on the show, like birthdays or anniversaries, please drop us a line at talk at downwiththedig.com. Thanks for joining us today. Well, now you're up to date. Views and comments expressed on this podcast may not be those of Ohio Labor's District Council or LIUNA. Thanks for listening, and let's be careful out there.